Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Again and welcome to another episode of the Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli, and I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And today we are here to talk about the fourth Doctor story, "The Ark in Space," which is his second story ever, and is in the uh, in the uh, magic three years of Tom Baker. Yes, where the dude could do no wrong. Um, and then he rode those coattails to the very end of his run. Uh, but yeah, this is part of that and very early on and an awesome, awesome, awesome episode. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do, I want to remind everybody that we are from mindrobber.net, the home site of mindrobber productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts uh, specifically this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who, and our mothership flagship big ship podcast, The Mind <laughs> Robbers, where we talk about everything else. And if you like our shows, you should review them on iTunes or just in general. Maybe you just want to throw a review up on your blog. You can do that. Whatever. It doesn't really help us, but uh, it's cool. You can do it. Um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other sort of cool things you feel like sharing, you can email those at uh, to podcast at mindrobber.net, and uh, we might read them on the show. And if you want to start a discussion, add it to the comments so everyone can know what you're thinking. That would be good, too. Matt, what is the background significance of the Ark in Space? Well, like you said... The Ark in Space is the second Tom Baker story ever, uh, but more importantly, it's the first one to be produced by Philip Hinchcliffe, who uh, came on after Barry Letts, because Barry Letts produced Robot. And this is, like, the first time that you really get Tom Baker, like, starting to be the Doctor, and the first time you get what is, like you said, the next three seasons. Like, it's very, like, all of the things that Hinchcliffe uh, and his script editor Robert Holmes would do for their like three years on the show is all right here. You get, you know, a good old fashioned possession. There's space. There's big aliens and stuff that shouldn't really <laughs> reappear again, although they have. Um, so it's produced by Philip Hinchcliffe, which is the big thing. And it's like the big kickoff to the gothic Doctor Who era. Um, it's also like the first to have Harry be a proper companion, which is interesting. And it really shows like. Uh, him doing his thing. It also, uh, it's written by Robert Holmes, which was not supposed to be done because script editors weren't supposed to commission their own, their work for, uh, shows. Um, but what happened is 
Robert Holmes had committed the outgoing team of uh, 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 Terrence Dix and uh, Barry Letts had commissioned all of the stories ahead of time. So Robert Holmes didn't get to say, oh, I want to do this or this or this. So this is a sci-fi story that was originally planned by John Lucarotti, who had previously done Marco Polo, the Aztecs and the Massacre, which are historicals from the Hartnell era. So they brought him in to do a story about a big space station and at the time, Lucarotti was living on a boat off the coast of Turkey or something in the Mediterranean Sea. So they couldn't, like, because the internet wasn't around, they couldn't get notes back and forth very effectively. And Robert Holmes was increasingly upset, like, not upset, but, like, disgruntled at the work that was or was not getting done. And it wasn't, like, Lucarotti's fault, but Lucarotti clearly didn't have a... this. It's, it's not the same program that it was back in the Hartnell era. So eventually... Philip Hinchcliffe was just like, all right, go do what you need to do. And Robert Holmes <laughs> went in, scrapped everything except for the they land on a space station idea and wrote the whole thing in something like 28 days, um, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Um, so the whole thing is written in like four weeks. It has Robert Holmes's name on it. And um, it's kind of amazing, like you said. Uh, yeah, this is... For my money, if you've never seen Classic Who and you want to see something that is representative of the best of Classic Who and what you're in for, because you've got, I mean, you've got the cheesy monster, and he is cheesy, even though he's mm-hmm. awesome. I love him oh, to yeah. pieces, but he's a cheesy monster. Uh, you got the cheesy monster. You've got the hard sci-fi uh, story. You've got the Doctor being quirky and fun and and awesome. You've got the known classic companion, like like the probably thanks to the new series and Russell T. Davies, like the like probably number one best known classic series companion, Sarah Jane mm-hmm. Smith. Um and a often forgotten <laughs> uh companion of, of Harry. Um so it's it's just got all kinds of stuff and if you just wanna see a perfect representation of classic who and a great place to start so that you know what you're in for. This is it. Yeah. And it's, it's got tons of action too. like at a certain point, like it's a lot of buildup, but then you hit episode three and it just becomes like, there's like three action set pieces back to back to back. It's awesome. So yeah, like it's, it's, it's so good. And I just, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even really take notes this time because I just kind of let it wash over me because I've seen it so many times and I just, I just love this story. It's so good. It's it so, so good. It is. It really, really is. Uh, but before we start talking about it, uh, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our Book of the Month Star Wars Dark Empire Trilogy by Tom Vetch, Camp Kennedy, Jim Bakey, uh, which is available for only $17.39 or 42% off the suggested retail price of twenty nine ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping, so thanks to InStockTrades.com. All right, so The Ark in Space, Episode 1. The best thing about Episode 1 is that our core cast of the Doctor, Sarah, Sarah Jane, and Harry, as it stands in uh, this era, 
where we are in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the only people that appear in part one. Yes. Which is kind of awesome. Yeah. And not a thing that happens often. No, and that's the thing that blew me away more than anything. Like, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And the more I got into it, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to be the only people who appear in this episode until the end when you're just like, wow. And it shows you just how well these three can carry the story. And they do it so effortlessly that you almost don't even notice because it's awesome. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so so they, they the episode starts with them – materializing on the uh, on the space station um, and I just I love their chemistry as three characters in this first part um, mm-hmm. and really throughout throughout the, se- the throughout the the uh, uh, the story but especially in this first part where it's just the three of them so much fun mm-hmm. I just I, I I love them I really really do yeah um, but yeah so uh, it materializes in this dark room and, uh, you know, it, it seems like the place is unmanned and, uh, yeah. So we get this, the doctor turns on the lights and they decide to go look around and Harry presses a, a switch, which traps Sarah in this small room. And then all the oxygen leaves the room and she passes out. Um, oops. Uh, <laughs> Who installed uh, that? Like, why did someone need to install that? That sounds very dangerous. Well, I mean, they had to make sure that, you know, they had easy way outs if somebody got cabin cabin fever and went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, it's also like, it's also like if you want, like, they have, we're about to find something that has an organic sensor in it. Like, why can't you just put an organic sensor in the room to stop this sort of thing from happening. That's just that's all it needs. That's all you need. And they didn't they didn't do that. <laughs> so by the time they get to her, they figure out what happened and they get the door open and everything. Um she's got like lack of oxygen sickness or whatever and <laughs> Ari's like all she needs is some what is what is it? Brandy? All she needs is some brandy. She'll be fine. And the doctor's like you're right. I've got some on the TARDIS. <laughs> I'm like, really? Really? Brandy? <laughs> well, it cures all ills. And Sarah Jane is like, I don't like brandy. Like, that's her response. Uh, oh, I'll get her some fine scotch. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um... <laughs> So they put Sarah Jane on this couch, and then then the Doctor and Harry are like, all right, let's go. And when they were in the room and managed to get the door open, this somehow triggered a security system that, like, drops a, um, like, a, like, a, like, a, it looks like one of those, like, overhead lamps that you see when you go to the dentist. You know what I mean? So it looks like that. And it just starts firing lasers at them. And the Doctor and Harry are like, oh, crap. So they duck behind the desk. And we get, like, this set piece of, you know, them trying to shut this thing down. And if they show themselves to it, it they it, they get shot. Yeah. So you get awesome things where, like, the Doctor's, like, poking his, he- his hat up from behind the desk. And he gets shot. Um and and Harry's uh, Harry's shoes get 
like destroyed. So he's like walking around barefoot. And which, uh, which I question because he doesn't really get a replace like replacement shoes throughout the rest of the story. I mean, Sarah Jane gets like two replacement like outfits. Harry doesn't get that. And I'm like, really? We're not gonna we're not gonna at least give Harry a decent pair of shoes. He's probably running around in socks, running away from the wearing. That's really weird. <laughs> so uh, meanwhile, while they're going through that. Uh, Sarah is uh, magically transported from the couch she was on into this chamber thing where uh, this voice keeps telling, like, talking to her, saying that it's preparing her for a journey. It's obviously like a computer voice thing, like an automated thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she keeps, like, hearing certain things and being like, wait what and then getting up too fast and then being like oh i'm sick again <laughs> like almost passing out <laughs> um but yeah so basically uh the automated thing seems to be setting her up for like a cryogenic sleep um mm-hmm. p- which apparently which it, it does spoilers uh- <laughs> That's that's what happens. <laughs> I love her. I love that she's just like I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, <laughs> but she can't like call out because she's been missing. And like so, when the doctor and Harry manage to turn off the the laser system, they are just like, "Well, where's Sarah?" And they're like, "She's gone." And then the doctor's like, "Well, let's go looking for her." Slash, I guess she'll turn up. And they just kind of just walk. Out the door and into the rest of the spaceship. Or, not the spaceship, but this this uh, space station, which is the Nerva Beacon. Um, and I'll just say right now, when they're walking around the space station, like, I love... And I know it's, like, a super cheap shot, but I love when they walk out into the hallway. And the hallway is that one that's just covered in glass and you can see space from the outside. I was just like, yeah. oh, that's that's so good. I, I love that, although every time I see it, it reminds me of the scene at the beginning of the first X-Men movie where <laughs> Professor X and Magneto meet in the hall after that after that court hearing thing. Yeah. <laughs> Always reminds me of that scene. Always. Because re- I don't know. There's something about that hall that reminds me of that hallway in that movie. Um, it's the whitewashed or something. Perhaps. 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 Um, I love... I think my favorite part about this episode, and it's it's kind of my favorite, ironically, but at the same time, like, it's just so funny. And I can't help but love that this was a different time. Um, I love the fact that they walk into this area where you have all of these cryogenically suspended humans all in these, uh, these little pod things. Um, not unlike a very similar set piece in Tomb of the Cybermen. Um, <laughs> I love that they're in there and, like, the Doctor's like, oh, yeah, there's, like, you know, there's there's all different races and they're all together because the Earth is destroyed and they're all trying to survive. And it's also important to note that in, con- in Doctor Who continuity, this story is happening at relatively the same time as The Beast Below. Yes, they are in the same era. Right. Um... So, uh, so yeah, so Earth is destroyed and we're looking for, like, a new place to start uh, humanity over again. Mm-hmm. So all these people are cryogenically suspended and, you know, the doctor is, like, talking about, like, how there's all these different races and every, everything and they're all working together and it's this great grand thing and Earth is finally getting along. 
later in the story, when we start, when people start thawing out, only white people are getting thawed out. <laughs> and the best part of that, the absolute best part of the, the fact that only white people are being thawed out, is that Vera, the character of Vera, which is sort of our main uh, guest protagonist. Vera was supposed to be not only black, but Haitian. And then the director at the last minute, as she was written, was black and Haitian. The director was like, nah, that's not really going to work. Let's just make her white and British. (laughs) Oh, Doctor Who. Oh, Oh, boys. Yeah. Leave it to this show. Like, leave it. Show to be just tremendously racist, like at the oh last. Oh my minute. god! So funny, so funny. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so they're trying to find Sarah, and uh, Harry opens one of one of the the things and finds Sarah in suspension. Um, so he be, he starts looking for like a resuscitation unit to like revive her, and when he opens this this cupboard, this giant insect is there, and then. <laughs> Is meant to look like it's looming toward him, but really it just falls out, as we find out in part two. Yes. It's supposed to be like, oh, it's a giant bug monster. <laughs> ah, here it comes. And, it, and then part two, and it just falls to the ground, and he's just like, huh, look at that. <laughs> Doctor, look at this. Come over here. <laughs> this this bug fell out of this tube. It's dead. It's no threat to us in any capacity. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's it's a it's a great resolution to a good cliffhanger (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i uh i i want to step back real quick before we move on uh and i want to ask you because people always talk about this and i guess we should mention it just because why not be like every other doctor who podcast except for the part where i'm about to not be uh but in the towards the end of this episode Tom Baker gives this speech, um, and it's called the Homo Sapiens speech because the doctor basically goes, Homo Sapiens, you are so cool, and you went out to the stars, and I love you so much. Um, And a lot of people love this speech. Like, they just say, this is the moment where I knew Tom Baker was my doctor. And maybe this is just because I'm jaded against Tom Baker. I love him. Let's not be wrong. I love Tom Baker. I think he's a great doctor. Um, Especially... In these first three seasons. Yeah, no, especially here. Uh, definitely, definitely. But <laughs> I want to know what you think of this speech. And I don't know if you noticed it. Oh, but... I noticed it. Because <laughs> the whole – the narrative literally just stops. Yeah. <laughs> like just... Yeah, no, I noticed it. And not, and not only did I notice this speech, but I also noticed the reprieve of this speech later in the story. <laughs> Here's the thing about this and what I think about this. What I noticed about this was that not watching Doctor Who in order, this classic Who in order, and seeing all of these other uh, Tom Baker stories in which he repeated, re- repetitively treats people like absolute morons. <laughs> Talks about how stupid humans are and how, like, how, how, like, just ignorant and 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 selfish they are this monologue confused the hell out of me <laughs> i think that's 
that's the thing about this is just like, yeah, that's great, except that um, it kind of went nowhere because his doctor ends up kind of hating everybody and becoming this, you know, big. He's kind of known for being a, you know, a giant alien, like, yeah, and being like mm-hmm. the most alien of all of the doctors. Uh, so this speech struck me as odd. Um, that being said, it's a speech that I've heard over and over and over again in New Who. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, this is like Davy's favorite episode or something. So right, I've heard that before. Yeah. Um, but like, I think my problem with it is like when I watched this for the first time, like I didn't even notice the speech. (laughs) Like, I didn't, I don't know what it was, but I was just like, people were like, the homo sapiens speech is like the greatest thing. And I was like, really? What speech? And then when I watched it again, I was like looking for it and I was like, oh, that. I think my thing about it is like, I just, I, I, I'm i very aware. And I think this is, this goes back to something that we talked about when we talked about Kinda. But in Kinda, we talked about how uh, Janet Fielding was like, you can see me acting. When I when I see this, like, I don't feel that Tom Baker has the conviction that he should have giving this speech. Like, it feels very rehearsed and very to no one and very overly theatrical for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's a directing choice because they don't have they don't have the ability to do a lot of takes, and the director very rarely like could give tons and tons of notes. Um, cause they just, they didn't have the budget for it. And I don't know what Robert Holmes intended for the speech, but I don't think he intended this. Um, and I don't, I honestly, it doesn't blow me away as a moment. Like it, it, in the way that I feel like it probably should. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but like looking at him, like it, it feels very performed in ways that I don't feel like I would do it if I were acting it or, you know, if I were directing the scene, you know what I mean? Sure. Sure. It does. It does. It, but and it doesn't it doesn't feel true to Tom Baker's doctor, um, especially sure. with the things that we know about him later. Mm hmm. So it's it's kind of an odd thing. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just I just wanted to mention that because <laughs> why not talk about the homo, the homo sapiens speech? Sure. It's the thing that everyone talks about. Sure. Uh, do you want to take point on part two? Sure. So <laughs> so this insect falls to the floor. And it's been dead for a while. It's got, like, rigor mortis and stuff. And the doctor is just like, I, okay, that's weird. Uh, but let's try and awake the crew. <laughs> so so they open, they, open the, um, they open the first thing. They find this woman named Vera who uses the med kit to wake herself up. Um, and they meet – then they uh, wake up some more people, including this guy named Lazar, who I'm going to call Noah because they call him Noah because it's, it's, it's the Ark. Um so it turns out that these people, uh, there were solar flares that were going to go destroy the Earth. So everyone basically, like, got the heck out of there. And this beacon survived the solar flares. Um, and all these people are, you know, like you said, about to create a new human society. So uh, while they're waking everyone up and they're waking Sarah Jane up, Harry's kind of, like, hanging out. Uh, Harry, I would like to also point out, has the best sideburns in Doctor Who. Um, because they are, they are mutton chops. Like, oh whoo, yes. who Glorious ones. <laughs> yeah. They they go, they go right to that jawbone. Yeah. <laughs> you don't notice them but until you do. And you're like, whoa, hello. <laughs> so, 
So uh, as they're waking people up, the power goes out, and the doctor's like, "Well, that's no good." So he goes downstairs into the under, like the underbelly of the ship, to try and figure figure out what's going on. And when he's there, he notices that there's this weird green, like blob thing that's in, like that's m- gumming up the works and making everything work, like work kind of weird. And he's like, so he goes, so he goes back up, and he's like, guys, something weird's going do- on down there, and we're probably gonna have to deal with it. And while this is going on, Noah goes down to, um, goes down into the, uh, into the area. He sees this green alien slimy thing and he's like that's weird but then he gets distracted looks away and then the green alien slime goes out and just like pets him uh on the hand and he gets slimed and he's like ew that's weird and then he walks (laughs) walks back out to the area like out into the to the to the uh cryogenics lab um (laughs) so so they they go so everyone meets up back in the thing they're like this is weird and uh, Noah starts acting really strange, like pulling guns on people, pulling rank, acting kind of like a giant douchebag, uh, like he's not himself. And the, the doctor is still investigating what's going on. And he gets word of this, and he's like, "You should." He tells this one technician to go check it out. So the technician like <laughs> goes to Noah and says, "Hey, bro, can you stop doing this?" And Noah's like, "No. In fact, I'm just gonna shoot you," which he does. And then. <laughs> So the guy, the guy dies, and then Noah walks into um, one of these control rooms, and as he does, he pulls out his hand and realizes that his hand has been covered in uh, uh, spray-painted bubble wrap. I mean, some weird embryo thing that is possessing him, and uh, kind of awesome. Oh. Uh, Boy, is it bubble wrap. Oh, it is It is 1 million percent bubble wrap. He has a bubble wrap virus. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I mean, honestly, my favorite part about this episode is the bubble wrap monster. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's glorious. And it's everything yeah. about low-budget, cheesy Doctor Who that you could possibly want. Mm-hmm. And apparently, like, I don't know, this is this pr- this dates me, I guess, but apparently bubble wrap at this point in time was, like, so expensive that it wasn't like mass consumed, you know? So it looked really weird back in the 1970s. Cause people didn't know what it was, but like looking at it now, you're like, Oh, that's bubble wrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and it's a, it's a great, like when you see him, like pull it out, like for a second, you're like, Oh, ew, that's gross. Before you realize it's bubble wrap. It's a great sort of, yeah. Like super low budget creature effect that they pull off really, really well. Um uh, so so that's I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, part three. Bubble wrap virus. <laughs> uh <laughs> wait, so hang on. Can I get the bubble wrap virus by kissing someone? Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh no. But no. if you ch- if you touch someone else's boogers, Yes. <laughs> yes. Note to self, stop eating boogers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Other people's boogers, specifically. Oh, well, okay. my bad. Sorry, mine yeah. are okay. Mine yeah, are okay. yours are fine. It's fine. Eat your own all you want. It's good. All right. If you'll excuse me for just a minute. <laughs> mm, well, that's tasty. gross. <laughs> <laughs> and this show has reached a new low. <laughs> Ah, 
wow. Okay. Um, I didn't actually. Okay. No, so, just, let's, <laughs> <laughs> when we last that. left off, uh, Noah um, has pulled out his hand that is now wrapped in green bubble wrap, uh, which is a horrifying thing. Uh, and he is distracted in this moment when the Earth High Minister uh, comes over the station's PA system and starts giving this pre-recorded speech to all the awakening colonists uh, because, you know, stuff has been set off and it's just an auto thing. Um, and then uh, while this is happening, Noah is like trying to fight this alien presence from possessing his mind. Uh, and he contacts Vera and transfers his command to her and uh, orders her to get the sleepers revived and down to Earth as soon as she can. So, And he explains that the aliens are called the Wern. Weirin. Weirin? Weirin, sorry. Yeah. Weirin. Um, it's W-I-R-R-N for those wondering, so it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird word. Uh, and before losing control, he says that we shall absorb the humans. Um, <laughs> Which is everything you want out of a science fiction story. Like right. that line right there. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, so the Doctor and Vera split up from Harry and Sarah, who are left to revive two more white crew members. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and the and Doctor Vera meet uh, Noah, who is now like halfway absorbed by the Weirin, um, which is and, awesome. Yeah, and, and like he's got bubble wrap all on one side of him. Um, he looks like bubble wrap Two Face, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Uh, so he meets the them. horror of that though. Like the first time I saw that, I was like, "Oh wow!" Like and like. The hand is one thing, but seeing him starting to get taken over by this bubble wrap is kind of phenomenal in ways that, mm-hmm. I mean, Doctor Who does good effects sometimes, but this is one of the best effects, I think, of the classic series, just mm-hmm. because it, you look at it, when you see him just, like, fighting against the Weirin, and he's, like, half taken over, it's, like, it's legitimately horrific yeah. in ways that few things are. And it's, it's, like, oh. it's, and it's not like it's just bubble wrap. I mean, it is bubble wrap, but they melt some of it, like the stuff on his face. So it, it, it looks, you know. It looks like he's being possessed. Yeah. Like, no, it looks con- good. Convincingly. It looks so good. So, so good. Yeah. So he meets them in the main corridor and he tells them that, uh, the larvae is approaching adulthood. Um, and Vera, uh, takes, like, what's happening to Noah kind of badly. Um, (laughs) Because they were pair bonded for colonization, um, which basically means that when they landed on earth, they were going to get it on, um, (laughs) have some babies. Uh, They were, they were handpicked by whoever was in charge. I'm assuming the earth high minister who apparently has the power to tell people that they have to have sex. Um, you two will procreate, but I don't like that guy. I don't care. <laughs> Welcome to New Earth. Uh, um, <laughs> I want this aspect of the beast below. Where, where is that? Where <laughs> yeah. Is that? <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so uh, Harry and the Doctor perform an autopsy um, of the uh, of the bug thing, and discover that the Weirin are a uh, sport space born species, while uh, Vera starts to initiate the next phase of uh, revivals. And uh, the doctor convinces her to delay while he develops a plan to stop the Wyrm because, let's be honest, you don't want to start reviving lots of people. And, I mean, you don't want the bubble wrap virus to spread. You just don't. No. No, you got to quarantine that. Yeah. So, you know, stop waking people up (laughs) and let's figure out problem one before we start getting to problem two. How about that? Yeah, especially because problem two is we cannot afford all the other actors. Right. Like, let's... <laughs> or all the other bubble wrap. Right. <laughs> to be totally honest. We really can't afford any of it. It's a lose-lose situation. So how I about mean. you chill out, Vera? How about you chill out? <laughs> Ugh. Um, so the doctor has this crazy idea where he's like, hey, so there's this thing. Uh, that people say that, like, when you die, the last thing that you see gets, uh, gets like, frozen onto your eyeballs forever. And if I hook up this, uh, this, this queen, uh, this queen bug's neurocortex up to this computer, we should be able to see what it sees. And he does, and it doesn't work. So he's like, he's like, all right, well, uh, my brain is awesome. So instead of using the stupid computer, we'll just use my awesome brain. And uh, Vera's like, oh, that's probably not a good idea. And the doctor's like, no, 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 seriously, my brain is awesome. Um, so he hooks up his nope, brain. doing it anyway. Doing yeah. it anyway. <laughs> so the, he hooks up his brain to this bug thing to see the last images, um, its last few memories. And uh, she's like, this is like, this could kill you. He's like, no, 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 really. Awesome brain. You don't understand. It's awesome. Um, so he does that. And then uh, one of the uh, grubs breaks into the cryogenic chamber and kills one of the dudes that they woke – one of the white dudes that they woke up. Um, and and uh, it's on hit- approach, right? This is where this is where the grub just like starts to attack them. So we get like like cool laser battles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We get an awesome laser battle. Oh, yes. I like laser battles. Um, oh, so, so Harry, cool Harry, and the other white guy, uh, yeah, they they run for the armory, um, narrowly avoiding Noah, and uh, they drive the the grub into the air duct um, with the doctor's help. Uh, and the doctor, uh, he learned that the queen was killed by an auto guard, and decides to uh, electrify the walls of the cryogenic section. Um. So, yeah, he does that. And he, uh, he transmits uh, other white guy and Harry to the control room uh, before the power fails again and then realizes that the Weirin, um, they're like – They're growing. They're growing. <laughs> they're growing, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're basically turning into adults. Um, yeah. So – he then uh, proceeds to uh, he he goes down he goes down the hall um, to turn the t- power back on, uh, but Noah has already become an adult, which basically means he's a giant bug thing, 
Um, and then he starts walking toward the doctor, so in a threatening manner, and uh, to be continued to yeah. part four. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's, oh, it's so, I love the creature design on the Weirin. Like, it's one thing to do bubble wrap, but I love the giant bugs. Like, they just, it's such a cool, like, design, and it's it's cool that they got away with that. Um, because seeing them approach the doctor is really, it's kind of freaky. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so as Noah is advancing on the doctor, Vera randomly appears at the top of the stairs. She shoots Noah. The doctor's like, oh, I'm getting out of here. So he runs and Noah's like, Vera, stay. So, <laughs> so, so that, so that you can become a bug with me. And Vera's like, ew, no. And she runs away. And, <laughs> and Noah's like, basically, ah! let me just, let me just put it in this perspective for everybody. Basically, what Noah's saying is, look, <laughs> look, I'd be lying if I did if I told you that I wasn't super excited about getting it on with you. But here's the deal. We're both bug. I'm a bug now. So our parts don't match up. So I really want to get it on with you. You need to be a bug, too, because <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I can't turn back. I'd love to. Yeah. I'm a bug. But I can't. <laughs> so you really need to get your bubble wrap on. <laughs> so that <laughs> that's we can uh, <laughs> get it on. <laughs> so 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 Vera and the doctor and Harry, Harry and Sarah basically return to the to the control room. They're like, "Okay, well the Weirin have woken up. We're in a lot of trouble." So they basically uh, decide. Okay, well, what we can do is we can we can escape. We can tr- we can lure them into a like a rocket ship, um, and then use that rocket ship to jettison them into space and you know get them off the beacon. So we get a cool set piece where we see another rocket. We uh, Sarah Jane has to link some uh, mechanical wiring through the um uh from the sh- from the like bay to get some power back on i think it was to get the power back on she needs to link the the cargo bay to the main cryogenics chamber which includes a great set piece where she's walking through a ventilation shaft um which is wonderful like it's wonderful to watch her like struggle with it and then the doctor to like gloat at her and then she's like well now i'm gonna kick you so she so he like because he like makes fun of her and then she's just like really upset so she chases after him a little bit more so the doctor uses electricity to keep the Wirren at bay um and while this is going on the Wirrens like sneak around the beacon because they can breathe in space they sneak around (laughs) the beacon to try and take out everyone and so on the spaceship um they start going after the humans that are left. So everyone, like for some reason, I forget why, but everyone returns to the spaceship and, uh, everyone's like, we gotta get out of here. The Wirren are coming. So the doctor's like, get out, get out, get out. And then the other white guy who didn't die yet, uh, (laughs) pushes the doctor, (laughs) pushes the doctor out of the ship and make sure that he is killed by the Wirren. And Noah and everyone, Noah, and the other Weirin go onto the ship looking for the Doctor and everyone else. And while this is going on, they manage to jettison the ship out into space. And they're just like, well, there you go. That's 
That's the end of that. And then randomly they get a call on the comm where where Noah goes, I'm sorry, and then just the ship explodes, killing all the Weirin. <laughs> Game over. Oh, and by the way, he was still madly in love with Vera, slash wanted to get it on with her um, and make Weirin no, babies. Not only did he want to, but it was sort of his duty. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what he was told to do. He was just following orders. It's not his fault that he was a bug. I think the Ark in Space is a tragedy. <laughs> it's a tragedy about Noah just wanting to get it on and not being able to because he was a bug. And he and was trying to find a solution for them. He was, you know, he was just thinking outside the box. That's all. And then he didn't. So it was sad. <laughs> and then he so, blew up. <laughs> so the day is saved um, and everyone's like, well, we need to get people back down to the surface of Earth because they overslept. I mean, you, you realize early on that they overslept um, and, you know, they were supposed to be on Earth a long time ago because the solar flares have subsided. And the doctor's I like, love OK, that they overslept and not underslept because in most sci fi stories like this, they underslept and like they yeah. wake up like a thousand years early. Mm hmm. Not here. They wake up like 5,000 years late. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Some extremely long number where it's like everyone you knew was dead. Like they're just dead. Except Uh, for all the people that are on the ship. Exactly. Except for those people. Or strapped on the back of a whale. Space whale. (laughs) Yeah, but who knows where that whale took them. I mean, I don't think anyone's been steering. I mean, I could be wrong. (laughs) We'll talk about that eventually. Um, so the day is saved. The doctor's like, let me go fix your transmats down on the surface. Uh, I'll just go down and tinker with them so that you can mass transmat everyone down. Sarah Jane switches from her cool white sci-fi outfit into a yellow thing, which I really actually kind of love. Um, and Harry still probably isn't wearing shoes. And they all beam down to the surface of Earth. And that's where we end it. Yeah. Uh, also interesting to note, that's where the next story picks up. Uh, Centauran Experiment picks up literally right there with them arriving on Earth. Which is a two-parter. Was... Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that one eventually, though. In Same s- director. Next time we talk about Tom Baker, we, we, we're going to be talking about the episode that came right before this. <laughs> right, exactly. Unintentional. I'm Which sorry. is the last <laughs> unit story ever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Last unit spe- episode of the unit era. Right. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah. Barry, it's the last one that's totally like Barry Letts. Right. Um, which is, I mean, it's it's totally, totally different than what this was. Also, so. did you mention that episode two of the Ark in Space was the uh, most watched episode of Doctor Who ever until Voyage of the Damned? Really? Yes. The second episode of and this is gonna this is gonna make you your heart hurt. Um the second episode of Ark in Space uh received thirteen point six million viewers. Wow. Thirteen point six million viewers in when was this? Nineteen seventy five ish. Five ish. Nineteen seventy five. Thirteen point Okay. We can't even get a show in America which is Ten times the size of England, at least, mm-hmm. to get thirteen point six million. Yeah, this is a show that only aired in England. Thirteen point six million people watched it. 
Yeah, like the what was it? The Walking Dead, which is like the biggest one of the biggest shows on television, pulled at ten million viewers, and people are shocked that it pulled that. So <laughs> that's so crazy. Uh, oh, that's so crazy. different times. Different times. People totally. have other things to do. <laughs> right, like watch things online. Yeah, like buy, like downloading them off Amazon or iTunes. Yeah, so, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, or letting their letting their skull and crossbones fly. <laughs> um, I didn't say it. <laughs> I said it. I don't care. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is a great episode. It's awesome. It's so awesome. It's just so much fun. Yeah, and it's... I I can't help but every time I watch a Sarah Jane episode, I'm just flabbergasted at how little she is. Yeah, she is tiny. She is a very small some like person. She's very little. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think yeah. It's bizarre. Mhm. She's abnormally little. <laughs> um and my girlfriend's little. <laughs> She's very small. Yeah, she she is. She but is uh sure. Sarah Jane is itty bitty tiny. <laughs> itty bitty itty bitty. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, did we mention Sarah Jane crawling through the Yeah. Ducks? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I said it was super awesome. It's I love that scene. Yeah, it's all it's just there's nothing like this is just one of those stories where like I don't I don't see anything bad with it. I no. just I don't. No. It's so perfect. You guys should watch it. It's on Netflix streaming. Yeah, if you haven't seen like it's just good. Like yeah. it's so good and so much fun. Why? Yeah. Why wouldn't you watch it? I don't understand. Totally. I just I don't understand. Totally. Anything totally. out of this era that isn't the Android invasion is pretty great. So just watch avoid that, that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even then, the Android invasion is fairly watchable if you just if you pretend like you're seven. It's actually like a really good time, but otherwise, it's pretty heinous. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Huh. Uh, all right. Well, uh, next week, next week, uh, I'm going to tell you about in a second because right now I'm going to tell you that we're sponsored by DCBService.com. <laughs> I was wondering. If DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic books, statues, action figures, anything you can get from a local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay $6.25 in flat rate shipping. Thanks to DCBService.com for making this show and all of our shows on MindRobert.net possible. Yeah, all many of them. Yes. <laughs> all two of them. Yes. Uh, so as I was saying, next week... The Return of John Pertwee in the Claws of Axos, which is also the return of uh, Delgado Master. Yes. I'm excited. And the first story to ever be written by Bob Baker and Dave Martin, so that's something. Who you hate. I hate those guys. Yeah. I hate them so much. That said, I remember thinking that Axos is, like, really, you know, it's strong. It's not their best, but it's, like... Nor is it like the best part of me, but it's just like it's a strong outing, and it's got some it's got some fun set pieces. The first shot of Earth is one of my like I I because 
Axos was like the third story I ever watched. Um, that was just like, oh, that's delightful. Like, that's some Silver Age comic book goodness. Like, it's literally a dude, like a big portly dude, opening up a file, and the file is literally just said, top secret. It's just... <laughs> that's lovely. It's Oh, it's so funny. I'm looking forward it's... to it. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll get some axons and stuff. It's good times. All right. All right. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to be doing that next week. But until then, you can find Matt Smith on the Internet sometimes. Where is that? Where is the Internet, Matt? It's I don't know. <laughs> I think I keep it in, in, a, in a hope chest. I don't know where bed. it is. Where am I? Are you drunk right now? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gungadin. You can also find me on my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash GD Commentary, where I live tweet some stuff. Uh, I am also have blog, where I talk about classic Who. Uh, this week is Face of Evil... Which should be interesting, I guess. I don't know. Face of Evil is... Uh, it's a fairly strong story. It's the introduction of Leela, so have fun with that. Is this um, the beginning of Evil Month? Y- yes, this is Evil Month, because last week... And this is the one that I really wanted to point out. Um, last week, I did a very... Uh, not extensively in-depth, but in-depth post on the Evil of the Daleks, which I'm convinced is one of the few Doctor Who epics and is one of the best Dalek stories I've ever seen. We're talking about it, like... Within the next few months, like very, very soon. Um, and it is so good. And I don't even care that, like, the middle episodes are just a giant set piece set in a haunted house full of booby traps. Like, I don't care. That it's sounds just... amazing. <laughs> it's cool. It's literally Jamie teaming up with a mute Turk, <laughs> which is not PC. Um, but it is, it is a great, like, it is such a good story. Um, and it's it's epic, like in ways that Doctor Who is rarely epic. Um, and now that I th- like when you really think about it, few Doctor Who stories are truly epic. And this is one of them. Um, Patrick Troughton somehow got two epic stories, which is more than I think anyone else got because um, he got evil and he got war games. Uh, I don't think Tom Baker even had any epics, at least in the way that I classify it. Anyways, I'm rambling. Uh, but if you're interested in that story, uh, check it out because it's kind of awesome. Like, super kind of awesome. Uh, Face of Evil, fine, sure. But all the stories this month either have evil in the title or are an anagram of, have an anagram of the word evil in the title, which was not planned. And I thought about changing it, and I was like, no. Add some character and color to the blog, so I'm going to do that. So uh, check those out. Fun times. Fun times. Classical Stop. Gallifrey Month of Evil. <laughs> yeah, so next month is our second year anniversary, which is kind of cool. So I have a bunch of cool things lined up for that. Awesome. Hell yeah. Almost done. Almost done. End of the year, I'll be done with all of the classical Gallifrey, which is uh, it's going to be weird. <laughs> and then we'll uh, we'll get you a book published. <laughs> oh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. There's some entries where I'm just like, God, I don't want anyone reading that. <laughs> well, you can so rewrite bad. those when they say they're going to publish the book. Oh, sure. Or I could just publish it on Kindle, because that's free. Oh, yeah, that's true. You could just do that. Yeah. I'd buy it. Well, thank you. Thank um. You. So, anyway, you can find me on the internet thing. 
Uh, Twitter.com slash Scott Carelli. Twitter.com slash Scott Commentary to find my live tweeting of things that I don't use anymore. Um, I, I, we will be live tweeting the Oscars. Yes. That's a thing we're going to do. Yes. Because it's our Super Bowl. Yeah. So if you want to hear us talk about the Oscars and just talk about movies in general, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to say than just what's happening at the Oscars. Um, mm-hmm. And we probably won't talk about what people are wearing because I generally don't care. <laughs> so look yeah. for better things for us to say than just that. Yeah. Like, did you see what she was wearing? That's that... probably not going to come out of that Twitter feed. No, but I will say I will compliment on a good tuxedo. I'm not above that. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not above that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so we'll definitely be live tweeting that. That'll probably be the first thing I live tweet in a long time. <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, there is this podcast called The Mind Robbers. Um, we have a lot of fun doing that. So, Oh, it's so much fun. I know it is. Shame on all of you who haven't listened. <laughs> We're shaming you in For private. For shame. Yeah. For, no, yeah. this is a public forum. <laughs> this is a public forum. Yeah, if 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 you're not watching the Mind Robbers, could listening you to, email to. us? No one's watching it. It's listening. Oh, sorry. No, no one wants to watch that. Um, if you're <laughs> listen, if no you're one wants listening. to watch me drink three quarters of a bottle of wine and talk into a microphone. <laughs> Except me. I'm not um, saying that's what I did today, but I'm not denying <laughs> it either. Oh, uh, what a shock. Um, <laughs> no, if, you, if you're if you not watching The Mind Robbers... Listening! No one's watching! <laughs> All right, shut up. <laughs> and this is, the, this is the day that Mind Robber Productions ended. Um, if you're not listening to The Mind Robbers, could you email us so that we can publicly shame you on this show? Um... <laughs> Cause I I'd do that. I don't care. You get you get free press, but it would come with shame. <laughs> I'd do that. I would do that. I would absolutely yeah. do that. Yeah. So, and yeah. if anyone's wondering, um, everyone listens to this show, so it would be quite <laughs> the public shaming. I mean, everyone. Everyone. Well, I mean, we didn't want to make a big deal out of it, but we know for a fact that your parents they listen. To do they uh, want your to? parents no, they... <laughs> you know who you're talking you know who you are right exactly and and your parents are listening to the show and i mean they, and they already they told have... us that you're not listening to the mind robbers yeah. and they're ashamed of you because they listen to the mind robbers and it's and they tell us it's really quite good yeah and they they like and they'll be honest they email us they just want to know how you're doing so drop them a line they, they're curious they want to know they want to know so just just let them know um and yes you do get internet reception in heaven, hell, or whatever afterlife you believe in. That is a thing. Has been proven. As I don't even you can know what's from... happening right now. This, uh. this episode just went into a weird direction that I'm going to have trouble getting us out of. So instead, I'm just going to say bye, everybody. Bye, guys. See you next week. <laughs> Close up, <Excellent. laughs>